a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to? And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserve, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. <laughs> That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminarian hotline right there. <laughs> that means it's time for another edition of Table Talk Radio, and especially time for another Iron Preacher here on Table Talk Radio. Woo! I want to start out by introducing our judge. That's Dr. Carl Fikencher. He's professor of homiletics at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome, Dr. Fikencher. It's great to be back with you. Thank you, Evan. And the challenger preacher for today is uh, Pastor Jared Melius. He's pastor of uh, Mount Calvary or Mount Zion, right? Mount, Mount Zi- Zion Lutheran Church. Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. Sorry about that. Welcome to the program. At least you got the Mount. All the churches out here have mountain in them. I think was thinking about Makes changing the sense. name of Hope to Mount Hope. <laughs> something or other. I guess it's then time to introduce <laughs> our Iron Preacher. Oh, I have my mask on now. <laughs> and now. Straight from the pulpit of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Mount Hope. The Iron Preacher himself, Brian Wolfmuller. <laughs> All right. Well, now we, uh, we're we ready to, we're set, we're ready to Iron Preach. And how this works, in case you haven't heard this before, is uh, we give both of our preachers a, a, a Bible text, a gospel text, um, and then they have 10 minutes to work on their on their text. Uh, and then they'll come back and give a little five-minute sermon. And uh, critiqued by our, our expert judge, Dr. Carl Fikencher. And uh, then he will pick the winner. Easy enough. All right, let's get rolling on our text. And this text is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. And it reads as this. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and will put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and rented it out to wine growers and went on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine vine growers to receive his produce. The vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. Again, he sent out another group of slaves larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the wine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is an heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his his inheritance. They took him, they threw him out to the vineyard and killed him. 
Therefore, when the, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these vine growers? They said to him, uh, he will bring those wretches to the wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to the, the vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. Jesus said to them, did you never read the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is a marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken in pieces, but on whom whoever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. And the chief priests and the Pharisees heard these parables. They understood that he was speaking about them, and they sought to seize him and feared the people because they considered him to be a prophet. So that's your, your gospel text, Matthew 21, 28 through 46. The go, the, excuse me, the uh, preachers are on their way then to prepare their sermon. We'll hear in just a little bit. With that said, Dr. Frickincher, we'll uh, talk to you then uh, more about uh, homiletics. We kind of have this ongoing conversation whenever we play Iron Preacher. But I want you to go back and kind of recap for us uh, the basic distinction between law and gospel and its importance in uh, preaching today. Absolutely. Well, I always emphasize, honestly, that proclaiming law and gospel properly divided or in proper distinction really is the essence of the preaching task. Uh, This, I think, is what the entire Bible presents to us. On the one hand, it presents the law, which shows us our need for a Savior. The law, for example, the Ten Commandments as an epitome or summary of that, shows us what God commands us to do and what we must not do. And when we see what we must do and must not do, we realize again and again and again, without exception, that we fall short. Once we realize that we fall short of measuring up to God's demands upon us, we realize that there's no hope for us to have an eternal relationship with God unless God himself steps in. And that's what the gospel is. The gospel tells us that in Christ Jesus, God has become a human being so that he has fulfilled all of God's law perfectly on behalf of all human beings and then took the punishment for our failures upon himself to the cross. And once Jesus kept the law for us and suffered the punishment for our sins upon the cross, God then declares us to be not guilty. He declares us once again to be reunited with him, to be in a relationship with him, in which we now receive all of God's good blessings. That's the gospel, what God does for us in Christ Jesus to restore our relationship to him and give us all of the blessings that he, from all eternity, has desired to give us. And to proclaim these two, law, showing us our need, and then gospel, God's answer to our need, really is the essence of Christian proclamation. There's uh, maybe someone that's uh, listening to this program and, and agrees with everything you just said, doesn't have any disagreements with what you said. But that's really uh, for, the, for the, the role of evangelism and proclaiming the gospel to, to, to the unchurched, uh, the seekers, those who, who haven't yet heard about the good news. But now uh, on Sunday morning at church, when you have a, a room full of people who are already Christians, right. uh, Dr. Frickincher, how would you react to, to someone that says, we need to start uh, preaching things that are going to make them become better Christians? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, good question. Uh, very good question. Uh, a couple of things are, are very crucial there. First of all, we all, even as Christians, continue to be sinners, which means we continue to, to need God's forgiveness. 
And not only do we need God's forgiveness, uh, but sometimes we forget that we need God's forgiveness. Other times we're very, very much aware of our desperation for forgiveness and are longing to, to be assured that we indeed have it. So even to keep us in faith, requires this continuous proclamation of law and gospel, reminding us of our need lest we forget and become self-confident, believing in ourselves, and then also being assured of the forgiveness lest we should despair that uh, we now have fallen short of God's glory and can no longer be in that relationship. So first of all, for every Sunday morning, even Christians need that reminder and then reassurance. But what's more, it's also true that only the gospel enables us to do the good works that we might describe as, well, being a better Christian. Um, The law shows us what a good work looks like. For example, the Ten Commandments are a perfect epitome or summary of all the ways that God wants us to love him and love our neighbor. And so certainly in the Ten Commandments we see uh, examples of what a Christian life should look like. But the truth is, as long as the sinful nature remains inside each one of us, and that continues to be true also for the Christian, we're struggling always to uh, do things our own way instead. Uh, the, the old Adam, or the sinful nature that is still inside us, wants to do nothing of, of loving God and loving neighbor, but wants to do only those things that serve me, that make things better for me. Uh, by nature, I'm very, very selfish. And so, I need the strength of the gospel to do the things that God's law commands me to do. When I hear, on the other hand, that in Christ Jesus, God has done everything for my salvation, then I'm set free from struggling to make things better for myself. In the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done for me on the cross, I have the assurance that I already, by God's working, have riches, blessings, joys, beyond anything I could garner for myself, beyond anything I could grab by doing selfish things. In Christ Jesus, I have already every good thing. And if I already have every good thing, then I'm set free from struggling for myself. Now I'm free to love God and love neighbor with every day, every hour that God gives me. Now, you see, we hear these very things, and we're not so uh, convinced always. I'm not always so convinced that I already have every good thing in Christ. And so I need to hear that gospel again and again and again to remind me that I have not only eternal life in heaven, but also God being with me and providing for me and caring for all all of my needs right here. And only when I hear that again and again and again am I set free from striving for myself to instead do the things that you might call alright we'll be right back to hear the sermons from Iron Priest we'll be right back what would I do would I be lonely discouraged burdened on the way the Lord was walking by my side I'd be so friendless and I'd be helpless and I don't know just what I This is Dr. Carl Fikencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Table Talk Radio is my favorite illustration for the fall of man. 
Five years ago, a man's fantasy became reality in a form never seen before. Church Stadium, a giant preaching arena. The motivation for spending his fortune to create Church Stadium was to encounter new original sermons, which could be called true artistic creations. To realize his dream, he started to choose the top preachers of different styles of sowing the word, and he named his men Iron Preachers, invincible men of homiletical skills. Church Stadium is the arena which Iron Preachers await the challenges of master preachers from around the world. Both the Iron Preacher and Challenger have 10 minutes to tackle the theme pericope of the day using all of their senses, skills, and creativity. Preparing artistic sermons never heard before. If ever a Challenger wins over the Iron Preacher, he will gain the ladies' ovation and fame forever. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing Iron Preacher. That so little, dramatic. That little narration oh, it was uh, ripped off of Iron Chef, but it was uh, written up by one of our listeners. So thank you for that. that was, I like that. Um, but we're in the middle of playing Iron Preacher, and they have uh, the, the Challenger and the Iron Preacher have a text before them, and that is Matthew uh, 21, 33 through 46, and uh, pastor of Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Pastor Jared Melius is first. Uh, Pastor Melius, you have five minutes, and I'll let you know when you're getting close to the end. You may begin. Uh, Our Lord uh, preaches his parable in the context of other parables that he's teaching about the kingdom of God. Whenever uh, the Lord Jesus preaches about the kingdom of God, we should first look to see not how the kingdom of God is like the kingdoms of this world, but how the kingdom of God is distinct uh, from the kingdoms of this world. Uh, You can see in this parable, in the context, Jesus says just right before this parable, he says that the tax collectors uh, and the prostitutes are entering his kingdom ahead of the Pharisees to whom he's speaking. Uh, that it is the unique uh, place of the kingdom of God to welcome sinful people and not people who are uh, righteous, uh, who are well, who don't need a doctor, but rather those who are sick. Uh, So you find in this the way that our Lord works. In the uh, kingdoms of this world, uh, uh, the hallmark of the kingdoms of this world uh, are that they uh, use uh, strength, they operate from a position of power. The, the kings of, the, of this world use the sword, and that's a good thing. Uh, that's what the kings of this world are supposed to use, uh, are the swords. They are to keep order. Uh, they are to uh, press the law upon people, and to uh, press people into a conformity of a certain kind of a behavior. Uh, but the kingdom of God is different than that. The kingdom of God doesn't operate by power and by swords and by positions of strength, the kingdom of God operates uh, by dying, by, uh, by weakness. Uh, the kingdom of God's uh, unique uh, picture, uh, the way it works, uh, the, the height of the kingdom of God is Jesus gives up his right, uh, does not manipulate, he simply loves, uh, and he permits people... Uh, uh, even sinful people who don't love him or don't know what he's doing to put him on a cross and crucify him. But you see this character in this parable. Uh, a vineyard owner 
uh, plants a vineyard. That's the church of God. That's his people. He puts a wall around it. He cares for it. He rents it out to tenants, and the tenants are the Pharisees. Will the Pharisees operate according to the, king, to, to the, to the principles of this world? That is power, manipulation, uh, operate according to the sword? Or will they operate uh, in weakness? Will they care for the vineyard? Uh, w- uh, will they operate the way that our Lord operates? So he sends, first of all, servants, and those are the prophets, or whoever he may send, uh, to collect the fruit uh, from the vineyard, and the tenants, uh, who the Pharisees know themselves, uh, they beat these servants, they killed other ones, they stoned them, he sent more. Finally, now if our Lord, if the Father in heaven, uh, wanted to operate his church, his vineyard, in accordance with the ways of this world, then he would not have finally sent his son. Uh, that it'd be foolish. It's just foolishness uh, to send his own son. He'd have sent armies in to punish those tenants and take back that vineyard. Uh, but he reasons with them. He, he sends his son who comes to him, who comes to them in a position of weakness, not according to the sword, not bearing strength and power, but who comes underneath the people uh, and even subjects himself to the very risk of dying for them. And that, you see, is exactly what the kingdoms of this world uh, function according uh, to pressing for rights and power, uh, manipulation. And that is not the way the Church works. That's the way the world works. But that's not the way uh, things work in the Church of God. The warning of this parable is a warning for us. And the warning is, do not operate according to the, in the Church. Do not operate according to the ways of the world, uh, the ways of power and asserting my rights. That's the way that the Pharisees operated. They wanted uh, their rights. They wanted to make sure that uh, that people behave themselves. Uh, and they, they used laws and manipulation and techniques and finger-pointing and head-shaking uh, to accomplish that in any way that they could. 20 seconds. Follow, rather, the ways of our Lord. Uh, who sends uh, who sends his son in great weakness and who dies for sinners. That's the way. Uh, he says later on in this parable, I tell you, our Lord says, the king of God will be taken away from you and it will be given to a people who will produce its fruit. Well, what are its fruits? The, the fruits are when we follow not the ways of the world, but the ways that Christ did things. And how did Christ do things? You, you you never find Christ asserting his right. That's you never find him uh, saying, this isn't right, this isn't fair, you shouldn't treat me this way. And that's all the time we have. Oh. Sorry, sorry, Pastor Milas, we're out of time. Uh, Dr. Verkincher, I will uh, leave it to your initial critique first. Okay. Uh, first of all, I would say we have a, a theme that is quite clear here. Uh, and that is the distinction, uh, I stated I think like this, the kingdom of God is distinct from the kingdoms of this world. Uh, and of course that is uh, an important criterion in clear preaching, a theme that the people can pick up and follow. Uh, you had there uh, some specific applications warning us not to operate according to the kingdoms of this world, as the Pharisees did, uh, but rather to follow our Lord. My initial critique uh, would be to say, two, would be twofold. Number one, I'm not sure that this captures uh, really the primary point of this text. I'd say on textuality, it is a, a fairly general uh, 
uh, summary of what Jesus' kingdom parables say and do, but not very specific to this one. And then second, uh, as uh, Pastor Melius was turning from law to gospel, there still was this lingering imperative. Rather, we are, are to, he said, follow our Lord in his weakness. And it's true that Jesus is the one we are to follow, and it is certainly true that his weakness is our salvation. But as soon as we couch that language in terms of imperative, telling us that the message is to follow Jesus, rather than proclaiming what Jesus in his weakness has done for us, we do run the risk of the hearers thinking that essentially the point of the sermon is something we are to do, which would make, the, in the hearer's mind, uh, a law-predominant sermon. And so I say two things. Uh, textuality, we could perhaps have been stronger, and clearer also in making the gospel predominate. That's my initial reaction. Okay, then, um, with, with, a, with about uh, two minutes remaining, uh, give us then, draw, flesh out this uh, uh, where uh, Pastor Emilius brought out the law in its harshness and then the gospel in its sweetness. You talked about that a little bit, but go ahead. Cer- certainly. The, the law was very clear when we saw the way the world operates. The world operates, he said, in strength, power, by the sword. The sword is a good thing, he said, and, and uh, we remember Paul in Romans chapter 13 says that the government is given the sword by God. But that is the way the kingdoms of the world work as distinct from the way God works in weakness. Uh, if we follow that way of the world, as the Pharisees did, looking to be impressed with strength, uh, we are going to fall into a self-reliance, which is quite uh, the opposite of relying on God for our salvation. Whereas the gospel that uh, Pastor Melius referred to early in the sermon is, is beautifully expressed when he said God deals in weakness, even in dying. Christ Jesus came in the ultimate expression of weakness, emptying himself of his eternal glory in heaven and allowing himself even to be killed on the cross. That was the clear gospel that Pastor Melius had already early in the sermon. I think it's ultimately uh, where this sermon was going. Uh, five minutes is a, is a tough cutoff, right. and I think that, that's the turn that we were approaching. I uh, would have loved to hear the rest of it, and uh, I think in a fleshed-out sermon, that would have been the ultimate message. Yeah, Pastor Mueller, just out of curiosity, what was the last line of the sermon that had a cut off there? What was, yeah, where'd you cut me off? Uh, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, I was just really getting warmed up. It's just getting warmed up. I, I, you know, it, that's what people do at, at, at Hope Lutheran Church all the time. When Pastor Wolfram gets a little bit long, they just cut, cut off. Time's up, Pastor. Time. Time's up. Time. <laughs> we'll go to a quick break and we'll continue with Iron Preacher listening to the Iron Preacher sermon and see if it can defeat Pastor Jared Melius at Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. Don't go away. We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio right after this break. Hey, you really are listening to Table Talk Radio. And now 
It's time for Table Talk Extras with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. When we read through the creeds of the church, we see that it confesses who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And one of the very important words that we uh, confess about God is that God is one. This comes from Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we have the unity of God three times, especially in the Nicene Creed. But listen, there's a surprise when we come to the end. First we say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Then the second article, and in one Lord Jesus Christ. Also very clear. One God, the Father, one Son. So when we get to the third article, the last part of the creed, we might expect it to say something like this, and in one Holy Spirit. But it doesn't. Listen to where the oneness is in the third article. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. There's the unity of the third article, that God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who exist eternally as one give their unity to us, the church, so that we are one church, one body, one people with one God and one faith and one baptism. We have the unity of the Holy Trinity itself as Jesus prays that we might be one as they are one. And how does this happen? When the Lord makes us holy in His Word. When Jesus prayed that we would be one as Him and the Father are one, He also prayed to the Father this, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. Praise God for having us as one church. Amen. This has been a production of Table Talk Radio. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Somebody find me a preacher. Somebody find me a man with a Bible who can tie a knot I know what I got, I know who I love You can track him down, wake him up Right here, right now in this Tennessee dirt No long white dress, no little white church Just you and your cut-off jeans and my old T-shirt Somebody find me a preacher Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite theological game show. And uh, we're in the middle of playing Iron Preacher, Pastor uh, Jared Melius at Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado, just gave us his sermon. And now it's time for the Iron Preacher sermon, Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. Pastor Wolfmiller, you have five minutes whenever you're ready. All right. I'm going to wait for the music to fade out of the background because I vowed one time never to preach with music in the background. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. The stone that the builder has, the builders have rejected has become the chief of the corner. With this quote from Psalm 118, which Jesus is, uh, often uses, he summarizes the parable that he gives before about the insane actions of the vineyard owner, the one who leaves his vineyard in charge uh, in the hands of stewards and sends to, uh, servants to collect the money, servants again who are killed and stoned and thrown out until finally he sends his son. The the stone in the text is Jesus. The builders who reject the stone are the Pharisees and their rejection is the cross. 
They rejected Jesus, the one sent by God, because they had better stones to build on, better material, better stuff. They had, after all, their own traditions, their own good works, their own efforts, uh, and these were always more beautiful than the death of the Son of God. We don't need this stone. We've got our own, stones of our own making, which we can craft our own buildings and our own homes and be safe and secure. And this is how we are when we build our lives on our own efforts and our own works, uh, the beautiful things of our own creating, we are saying that we have better stones to build on, better than Jesus, better than his death, better than his blood. And so we reject the stone sent by God as useless. But look, this stone, which is deemed completely uh, worthless to unholy reason, becomes the, salvation, the, the foundation of our salvation this is the stone that becomes the cornerstone of the church. This is the foundation upon which everything good in this world is set solid and stood up, even the death of our Lord Jesus. For what of which of you, if you owned a vineyard, and you had workers that had killed your servants one after another, would then do this crazy thing of sending to them your son? This is the insane love of God for you, and for me, the one who sends his son into our sin and into our death, into the darkness of our world so that he might be rejected and cast off and crucified and killed, all so that you and me would be forgiven and have life and salvation in the forgiveness of all of our sins. God takes the stone that is rejected by builders. He takes this crucified Jesus, and by him he builds us into the castle of eternal life, the home of his love, his kingdom. And he calls us his people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, Dr. Frickensher, uh, is it a penalty to only uh, preach three minutes rather than five? <laughs> I didn't I, I want to be cut off, hearers, whatever happened. <laughs> I think most of our hearers would consider that a significant bonus. <laughs> uh, I, I think the only thing is, is, is in competition terms for Iron Preacher, you know, you might yield the two extra minutes to your uh, challenger. Yeah, he can yeah. finish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I would say that, uh, that brevity is, is, is never something for which we need to apologize. Uh, what we would need to apologize for is failing to address the text, failing to bring us to the cross. And I would say that uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller, the Iron Preacher, uh, has done both very, very well. Um, I like very much his use of the textual imagery. Uh, he brings us into the parable. We see the vineyard. We see uh, that, that realm of, of language uh, as Jesus gives it to us uh, himself. Uh, we sense the characters, and we sense our identifying or identity with the characters. On the law side, he points out to us that the Pharisees reject the stone, who is Jesus, because they are looking for something more interesting. And I think this has a very nice uh, parallel to what Pastor Melius said. Pastor Melius was exactly right. We do have here a situation where uh, the Pharisees are looking for something more powerful. They, they expect their salvation to be something more impressive than the death of someone. And this is exactly what the, the Pharisees here in the parable are indeed uh, leaning towards, something more attractive than the, the death of the Son of God on the cross. And so, in fact, they do kill him. The application that Pastor Wolf Mueller brought was to say that we also think we have better stones, things that are, 
are more attractive, more impressive, more powerful than the death of Christ, and they can be things that, in fact, are so foolish as our works and our, our best efforts. That was a very pointed uh, element of law, which I think came across uh, very clearly and certainly was drawn uh, very uh, specifically from the text. And then there was that uh, magnificent turn with the word but, that adversative, which announced to us that we were shifting from one element to another, specifically what we recognize as being moving from law to gospel. After we have been uh, touched with the law, brought to conviction of our sin, uh, he tells us that nevertheless the stone which we rejected actually has become the foundation of salvation. And I did like the rhetorical uh, element there, the foundation of salvation. Uh, one hint that Pastor Wolf Mueller had given early in the sermon that I was hoping he would pick up on again rather than just leaving it uh, without usefulness was the initial observation that this parable was about the insane action of the vineyard owner. That's a very uh, significant point in this text. Uh, that had been raised early in the sermon, and now when we turn to the Gospel, Pastor Wolf Mueller asks the question, who would be insane enough to send his son when the, the, those previously sent had all been rejected and even killed. It, it made no sense to anticipate that the vineyard uh, workers would do anything but kill the son as well. And certainly none of us would expose our sons to that kind of risk. But that's exactly what God the Father did. And Pastor Wolf Mueller described that as the insane love of God for us, the love which uh, expresses itself to each one of us in forgiveness of sins, life and eternal salvation, and ultimately to God calling us his people. I think in Pastor Wolf Mueller's sermon, you do have a very uh, uh, strong use of the text. I think it captures the essence of this parable very well. And, and parable preaching is not easy. To discern the point of a parable is often much more difficult than we think initially. We have a tendency with parables to fall into a, uh, a, a law sort of point time and again where we think we should just do what someone in the parable did or don't do what someone in the parable did, rather than seeing that it's God's love for us in Christ, which is really the point. And so I think we had a strong textual sermon. I think that the, um, uh, the structure of the sermon was helpful. It was largely a narrative structure following the movement of the story and bring us to the conclusion that the story uh, points us to. Uh, it was uh, not necessarily uh, clear from the outset just how that would come out, and uh, that's a perfectly a viable option, particularly when you're working with a text which is a story and therefore in itself does not give the point until one comes to the end. Overall, it's a, a very strong performance by the Iron Preacher. Okay, before we get your final judgment, for just about a minute, uh, discuss how uh, these different sermons, when you're, when you're preaching, uh, these different texts will bring a different word of law and how that connects them to that special word of the gospel. Good point. Yes, it's very important to recognize that, that the Scriptures give us law and gospel in many, many different modes. We don't want to fall into a stereotyping uh, in which we always would say, the law here is, we are guilty of sin, the gospel, we are forgiven of our sins, although that is actually the heart of every element of gospel. The cross of Jesus Christ is the answer to all of the needs that come about 
because we have been separated from God by our sin. Uh, in this particular text, we have a very specific kind of rejection as the law problem, rejection of God's means of our salvation, looking instead to something in ourselves. And that is different from the way other texts might present it. Once we have determined a very specific element of law, like rejection, based on our own, uh, let's say, better stones, then the gospel needs to match that specifically uh, to be embraced despite rejection, embracing an opposite of, of rejection, and embraced with God's goodness, his mercy in place of our better stones. So that's a very good, good observation, to match law with gospel and to be specific to the particular text is very helpful, very important, really, for Sunday-to-Sunday-to-Sunday to Sunday to Sunday preaching. All right, then we just have time for your final judgment of Iron Preacher. I'd have to say that the Iron Preacher's losing streak has been broken. Oh. The decision Woo. to the Iron Preacher. All right, well, congratulations, Pastor Wolf Mueller, and thank hey, you, Dr. Hey. Kinsha, for joining us uh, for this edition of Iron Preacher. Always a delight. And when we get back, we'll stick more with uh, Pastor Jared Melius. We're going to do some praise song crunching right after this break. Uh, don't go away. More Table Talk Radio. You can comment about Iron Preacher on our website, tabletalkradio.org. We have a forum link. Email us, questions at Table Talk Radio, or call our listener response line, 866 866- Eight five one five five two three. Don't go. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If you're not easily embarrassed, tell your friends about Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're doing the Praise Song Cruncher, of course, by request from our listeners. We always get requests for the Praise Song Cruncher, um, but we have a, a Table Talk Radio Praise Song Cruncher ride along today. Uh, staying over from Iron Preacher is Pastor Jared Melius from Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. And so uh, th- this, this Praise Song Cruncher... Is this a consolation prize as he gets to <laughs> crunch along with us? <laughs> right. I beg to stay on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this uh, this praise song was submitted to us on our forum at tabletalkradio.org, and the name of it is Let Justice Roll Down, and this is how it goes. Let justice roll down like a mighty river. Let righteousness flow on and on. Like the Garden of Eden, where the nations will come and be healed, and the glory of God is revealed. Humble yourselves. In 
And then it cut off the last sing, line. Sing the rest, Evan. Sing it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this, this is Don't Forget the Lyrics to Your Praise Songs. <laughs> Go faster. <laughs> oh, here. I'll pull it up. And he will have mercy on him. <laughs> and, and then the last uh, uh, verse says, Love one another and learn to forgive. Walk in his marvelous light. Reflect the radiance of God as you live. Blameless and pure in his sight. Open your hearts to the poor and the depressed. Let him see the Father in you. Open your ears to the cries of the of the lost. Let, uh, then God will listen to you. Oh, man. So that is the praise song uh, to be crunched here. And if you want to do this with your own praise songs, you can go to our website at tabletalkradio.org <laughs> and click the articles button, and you'll find the praise song cruncher right there. Okay, so... Uh, the, the first question of the praise song cruncher is, is Jesus mentioned yes or no, and if yes, in name or concept? Yeah, we have five parts in the cruncher, right? This is the first one, the Jesus question. Uh, and the answer in that, to that is no. I'm just going to take this first question and let Pastor Emilius do the rest. But no, there's no mention of Jesus at all in here, either by name or by, by concept. Am I right? I don't see it. Oh, that is right. Okay. Well, then I no guess of Jesus. Pastor Milius. It's an Old Testament song. You know, this first line comes from, I just looked it up on the computer here. Amos 5.24. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. But do you think there's some irony? Look at the verse before that in Amos. says, take away from me the noise of your songs. <laughs> 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 Which could be like the theme of the praise song cruncher, Amos five twenty three. Yeah, to the uh, melody of your harps, I will not listen. That's right. <laughs> so what you're after then is, uh, it, 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 I mean, obviously, if Jesus is mentioned, then, then you know, somebody like a Muslim couldn't sing the song, but could somebody like a Muslim sing this song? Yes or no? And I think it would be yes. By the way, Pastor Milius, the proper pronunciation on Table Talk Radio is Muslim. <laughs> Don't listen to right? him. <laughs> Don't listen to him. Uh, we'll have, uh, have Pastor Milius take number two, and that is the, the question of clarity. Is the song clear? Does it use sentences with subject, verb, and object, or does it use sentence fragments? And so you have a 1 to 10 scale on this one, Pastor Milius. A 10 is very clear, or a 1 is, is very obscure. Oh, so they use sentences versus fragments. Right. No, this is this is clear. I think. Well, what on a scale of one to ten, clarity? Yeah. I don't know, two, three, one, something like this. But there's but these are real sentences, and uh, and they are sentences which are imperatives. Uh, so you have a lot of commands in this one. Uh, love one another and learn to forgive. Walk in his marvelous life. Reflect the radiance of God. Open your heart. Let them see. Open your ears. Uh, and so on. So I'd give it a two or a three on clarity, I think. Now, the, uh, the, the clear, if it's clear, then it's a ten. 
Is that oh, right? Well, then it's a 10. Okay. Right. 9 or 10. Okay, so 9. 8 or 9, 10, something eight. like that. All right, so very clear. Yeah, the other thing with clarity, though, is do you know what it's talking about? So if it has a – you know what we should add this to? If it has an overabundance of pronouns uh, <laughs> with which you cannot associate a, another noun. Um, so let so, – or if it speaks in a lot of abstractions like this, let, let – um, uh, till the desert becomes the Garden of Eden. Like, uh, so she said, what the, what in the world is that talking about? Um, so uh, I, I would have a little more unclear, but I, well, you're right, Pastor Melius, there are sentences here. So Pastor, Mil- or Pastor Wolf, uh, the Garden of Eden was where Adam and Eve, you, you don't know what that is? I know, but how can, <laughs> how will the righteousness flowing on and on make the desert become like the Garden of Eden? I just uh, maybe there should be a uh, is this trying to be too poetic category. <laughs> Let's move along. Next no, n- number thing. 3 is mysticism. Is a song about the things that God has done objective or is it a song about my own emotions and experiences? Does the song repeat itself uh the same phrases over and over in a hypnotic mantra? So this is again a 1 to 10. 10 is very objective or 1 is subjective. Uh, what do you think, Brother Wolf Mueller? Uh, yeah. there, there's some there, there's some mystical languages that pops up here, like um, walk in His marvelous light, reflect the radiance of God. Uh, this this sort of light dark sort of thing is one of these mystical themes that come. Uh, and then this kind of overuse of poetry, to where you it's kind of you're in this vague sort of shadow land of abstractions. Um, but I do think that. Uh, there are some things that are supposed to happen. Well, it's not really subjective in the sense that it's more kind of moralistic. I mean, especially when you get to the end and you get this business, open your ears to the cries of the lost, and then God will listen to you. Uh, you get a lot of moralism in this song, which is kind of objective sort of thing. It's kind of This is kind of a fundy praise song. So uh, on a 1 to 10 scale? Mm, let's say uh, mysticism on six. A six. Okay. And then the fourth one is law. And, this is where we're going to have some fun. Law and gospel. Does the song proclaim the law in its sternness and the gospel in its sweetness? Or uh, are, are, the law and, are the law and the gospel rightly divided? Is the law presented as something that we can do? Or does it show us our sins? Is the gospel conditional based upon our actions and decisions and acceptance? So yes, no, or I can't tell. Uh, yes, no. Yeah, what would yes be? Yes is... The, the, the question is, does the song uh, proclaim the law in its sternness and the gospel in its sweetness? Yes, no, or I no, can't tell. No, the answer would be no. Uh, I mean, it does present the, uh, the law. There's no gospel in there. Uh, there's no gospel, I don't think. I mean, this, As close as it gets is... This last line where it says, let the ungodly man turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. That's as close as it gets. Yes. Uh, acknowledge the depths of your sin. But no, you're right. Actually, you were going to talk about the first line because I think this verse from Amos is a marvelous uh, verse of law and gospel. Let justice roll down like a mighty river. Let righteousness flow on and on. What, what yeah, I, what, mixed up. Yeah, yeah so it takes that and it turns it into some sort of gib, gib, gibbity jupe gobbledygook no, that's what i want to say it completely mixes it around that righteousness and that justice i think uh, in amos should refer to the justice and righteousness which is declared to be ours for the sake of jesus that's not what it's 
But the, in, the, in the context of this song, just because it's quoted from Amos doesn't mean that's what it's actually talking about. Because from then right. on, it goes on to say this is all about what you are to do. Uh, you love one another, walk in his ways, reflect the radiance of God. That's what let justice roll down, let righteousness. Yes. So in Amos, you're probably getting something like let the gospel be preached and men's sins forgiven, uh, but he, it's let us get to work. Right. So it's a mixture of yeah, and, and then this this last part, you know, that open your hearts to the poor and depressed. Let them see the Father in you. Uh, oh, so, sorry, let them see the, yeah, see the Father in you. Um, open your eyes to the cries of the lost. Then God will listen to you. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. So I'm going I'm to have to say that uh, the answer is no, right? Right. I say no. Okay, then the last question of the praise song cruncher is, is there any explicit false teaching? <laughs> we have about 30 seconds here. <laughs> yeah, I think insofar as it completely confuses the law and the gospel, it does have false teaching. Um, it, it's just simply moralism. And the Bible is not a moralistic book. It is not about how we're to live. It's about how God has given us life in the death of his son. So. And that's all the time we have for Table Talk Radio. I thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like caffeine-free Mountain Dew. <laughs> the useless. Hey, thanks, Pastor Melis, for being on the show today, too. Thank you. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.